I would say that it's more than a language because it's a, a framework, a premise that is shaping this whole debate. Just follow the hashtag of leadership. It's everywhere. People sharing content that leadership is all about serving, that ego is the enemy of leadership. If anybody can be a leader, then nobody is giving a special value. That doesn't mean that the leader commands with force. Is it the person who gives the best orders? Or is it the person who has the strongest character and who commands the team to do what he does regardless of how they feel? Of course not. I'm really tired of all these self-proclaimed gurus who keep on attacking the ego. If you don't have an ego, it means you don't have a self, which means you can't think, you can't feel, you can't judge, you can't take actions or choices. It means you're a robot. to Ideas on Trial. I'm your host, Leopold Ajami, and I have with me my co-host, Ricardo Pinto. Hello, Ricardo. Hey, Leopold. How's it going? Good, good. You are a little bit sick today. <laughs> yes, I am. That's, that's <laughs> I had called, the flu. That's called leadership. You're, you're coming no matter what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, today, speaking of leadership, we are putting the idea, a very interesting idea on trial. We are putting the idea of servant leadership on trial. And it's an idea that's been popular and accepted by many intellectuals and different organizations globally. And it's gaining, I would say, a lot of attraction in the business world. So today we want to dissect that, understand if it's a good idea, first by understanding what is it, and then by trying to understand the debate around it and whether it serves our life or not. And and lastly, we want to expose if, if it's really something that we should be following in organizations and what would be, what would be the effect of accepting such an idea. So before we begin, let's let's do like like a reporting on what is what is servant leadership. Yeah. Well, servant leadership is often proposed as a philosophy, as a philosophy of business, as a way of approaching leadership, and it's yeah. usually defined in contrast to quote traditional leadership. And the main claim is that under this approach, a leader's role is to serve or to have as his primary object and concern his team, the people that work under him. And that is proposed as opposed to focusing on the company's goals, the company's projects, or his personal ambition and his, even his self-interest. Mainly, we're saying traditional leadership is all about focusing on the leaders, making sure the company is thriving and maybe caring yeah. about the bottom line, as opposed to servant leadership, which is all about serving the team. Is yeah. it a fair 
It's a fair... Uh... Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's the goal orientation of this philosophy. But there's also a, a, a structural aspect of it. And the main claim that the philosophy of servant leadership makes here is that a leader should work together with his team as if there were equals and should not accept any view of uh, hierarchy. He okay. shouldn't be commanding. He shouldn't be giving orders. But his whole purpose of being there is to serve his team's needs, not his personal ambition, not giving orders. So that's another way of contrasting it with so-called traditional leadership. Yeah. So in my research, uh, I saw that uh, one of the very few uh, person who popularized that idea is someone called Robert Greenleaf. And I think he wrote a book around it. And, and then we're seeing a lot of popularization today in the culture by so many leaders, including the likes of Simon Sinek and Ken Blanchard, people like that. Uh, so it's, you know, it's gaining traction. But what I want to understand is, so is the idea focused on an organizational, from an organizational perspective, like how a leader should treat his teammates? Is that the key focus or there's something else? That's a good question. I think there is a, a different claim that, of course, anybody that's listening to this episode can recognize that there are some problems with some leaders. If you've had a bad manager, someone who's concerned about making ends meet and not caring at all about the team, who doesn't give a damn about how the work is done under his command or, or their team's basic motivation, then of course you will have a, a bad image of so-called traditional leadership. But the basic solution that these thinkers are giving is not organizational. It's not about a change in the structure, the protocol, or the practice of leadership. Rather, they're advancing a moral claim, a moral concern, which yeah. is a leader's whole focus should be on serving his team's needs. That should be his goal. They're, they are yeah. changing somehow the way we think about leaders. And, of course... Our whole discussion is focused around business, but I think this is broader than, than business. It could be applied to any area of life. Yeah. But they are changing the very idea of what it means, what it means to be a leader, what it means to, to command, what it means to inspire people. Mm. And they are doing so on a moral language. Would you agree well, to that? Do you think that's a true assessment? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're seeing acceptance of the idea everywhere. So all you have to do is spend a couple of hours specifically on LinkedIn and just follow the hashtag of leadership. And it's everywhere, right? People sharing content that leadership is all about serving, that, you know, ego is the enemy of leadership, that... Uh, a leader's sole concern should be with his people. 
And when you when you dig a little bit, you see that Greenleaf, the originator of the idea, he mentioned it very clearly. He said that it's it's a kind of an inverted perspective to the traditional idea of leadership. That instead of the people working to serve the leader, the leader exists to serve the people. Now, at first reading, it seems like as if we're talking about about it from an organizational perspective, how you should you know treat your team in an organization. But then the yeah. more you see the advice around the idea and the, the guidance proposed, you see that this is a purely moral issue. And what we're doing, we're saying instead of being masters, let us be servants. Even in the examples proposed, and we're seeing them in, in different articles, we're going to talk about some today. That's the whole language we're talking only we're inverting it, right? Instead of using the language of masters and uh, masters are leaders, now we're saying that leaders are servant. And this is the first concern I have with, with this ideology, this whole language of masters and, and servants. What do you think about that? I, I would say that it's more than a language because it's a, a framework, a premise that is shaping this whole debate. And that you don't address simply but say by saying, oh, no, we actually don't mean that you have to be a servant. What we mean is that you should care about people because that's that's the basic appeal of the idea in, in ourselves, in anyone who, who reads an inspirational quote about leadership and, and says to himself, oh, that makes sense. It is true, and I think this is why the idea has been so popular, that a leader should care about his team. Yeah. That if, whether in business or in any other trade, if a leader wants to see his projects accomplished, and if that project requires a team to work with, mm. then that should be a primary concern of his. Of course. But it's not the exclusive concern. There are other things that you need to attend to and you need to prioritize as well that will require time and effort in return, such as the, the common project, the common goal you're working towards, and of course, your personal ambition, your ego. You know what? We, we're standing yeah. in this court now of ideas. So let me play the devil's advocate. Because okay. I don't think it's only from a, a team perspective. So if you think about it, uh, we're hearing a lot lately, it's becoming a trend to hear that, you know, I'm a businessman, I'm here to serve. Business is about service, you know, I'm here to serve you as a customer. And it it's an appeal to humility, it's an appeal to uh, kindness. And I'm trying to say that my primary concern is not really making money or any profit, I'm here to serve you. So what do you think mm -hmm. is wrong with that? Like, because we're hearing it a lot. And... And it has some value that what we're doing, we're offering value, we're serving other people. So what what's wrong with that? I think what's wrong is how seriously you take the concept serving. And mm. we, ha we were having that discussion. <laughs> take, for example, a waiter. You would think of a waiter as someone who's there to serve you in the literal sense. But... 
he's actually not. He's engaged in trading. He is giving value to whatever exchange is taking place there. And this whole framework of masters and slaves doesn't apply here. Yeah. He's there voluntarily. He's giving his talent. He's giving his mind to whatever degree and effort in trying to make his job right. So I think that the first thing that we should consider when entering this whole debate and when thinking about leadership at all is that if leadership is to be of any value, if leadership is to be of any value to, to the leader or to the team or to the organization, then we're not talking about masters and slaves. We're talking about equals. Of course, with that. A defined hierarchy, a defined division of labor. Not everybody can give orders. Not anybody can do the same work or the same job that you're doing. It's not an issue about who has the bigger boot. It's an issue of who is helping you building the road ahead. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I mean, and and we talked about that, that good leaders don't raise uh, their their voice or don't, you know, uh, raise their boots. They raise the standards that that's what that's what they do. But I want to I want to play also again the, the devil's advocate and ask you, what do you say about the idea of being equal? Because from one perspective, we're hearing a lot of advocacy that we should all be leaders, that's one. Two, that we should all be equal. And we conflate the equality by law and equality in the organization or by ability or by that. And I'm asking yeah. this question because specifically when it comes to servant leadership, they talk about, and I quote, servant leaders share power by putting the needs of the employees first and help people develop and perform as highly as possible. So the idea is of sharing power with the employee and putting their need above everything else. So what do you say about that? Let me start challenging the first idea you mentioned. Not yeah. everybody should be I'm a leader. I'm being a pain today. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody should be a leader. I don't want to be a leader, particularly. I mean, I, I was telling you a few days ago that you are the only person I like to work with. Thank I, you. I like to do my stuff on my own, working on my private room. I don't want to, I'm not good working with a team. I, I prefer to be in the privacy of my mind. Mm. And I wouldn't like to assume not as a career, the responsibility of helping other people accomplish projects. Because that's yeah. my personal character. That's the way I've developed myself educationally and professionally. So, so that's the first I thing to cut you. Sorry, I want to yeah. cut you here because you inspire a categorization here. So from one perspective, we should differentiate between a personal leadership and organizational leadership, right? And if you want to become a leader from a personal perspective, you know, you shouldn't be concerned with anyone. You should master yourself if you want to use that language, 
right? Yeah. So it's about it's about self leadership. It's a, and I think this is an achievement that anyone should be pursuing. But what you're saying is when it comes to organization leadership, it's not a job that everyone should do, or it's a must for everyone or should seek. It's like a role. If you want to be a leader, then you have to work on it. But it's not a must and it doesn't degrade you. It doesn't degrade your quality nor nor your virtues. Absolutely. Again, there is a division of labor here. Yeah, That is an aspect that is often overlooked in the push for leadership at all costs. Mm. Because if anybody can be a leader, then nobody is giving a special value. And I think that's yeah. key quality of a leader, that he has something to trade. He has something to give, to bring to the work, to the table. And when you see that, even job applications call and demand for a leader, then what are they asking for? They are not asking yeah. for knowledge. They are not asking for talent. They are asking for people who can compose themselves in the face of opposition, for example, the people who have yeah. the better communicational skills, the better ability to work with others. But do they have knowledge? Do they have talent? And I'm not saying that everybody that's pushing for leadership is disregards that mastery of yourself, that mastery of your own knowledge that you were talking yeah. about. But it's it's a it's a road that you can go down to if you if you don't take your personal development and your personal knowledge first and foremost as a priority yeah but to tackle the the other issue we were discussing about whether a leader should be equal to everybody else i think there is a, a profound confu confusion here and it's that yes you're equal in worth in general, human worth to the people around you, assuming everybody is rationally competent to be in that company, in that group, in that team. But everybody has a different role assigned or, or more than assigned, a role that he has earned and that he can live up to. Yeah. So you shouldn't assume that simply because you have the power, and by the power I mean you have the, the position, the, the credential to give someone else orders. You are somehow in a greater hierarchy, in a greater, in a greater order than them. And I, I don't think that's the way to think about leaders. By the and, way, and, that, that's yeah. very interesting because I can see you struggling with the, with the words and Yeah. I was struggling with the words myself because we've reached a place in the culture where every single word you want to use is, is very either politicized or it's very sensitive. You can't use the word power. You can't use the word ego. You can't hierarchy. use the word hierarchy. And that's scary, right? That's scary and that's conceptually paralyzing, 
we can't really think anymore using the proper terms. And that's part of my motivation for this episode, because I think this is a very important concept, specifically for the young generation trying to find their way in different companies or being entrepreneurs. And they're being fed this idea that it's all about service and serving other people. And I think we need to unpack that a little bit because from one perspective, it is about serving other people. But from another perspective, it depends on what do you mean by serving other people? And I don't think it's about inverting the roles. There is, there should be a leader and there, there should be uh, a student, if I can put it this way. But that doesn't mean that the leader commands with force, that the leader is a power luster, as you were telling me offline, or that the leader is is going to do anything at the expense of the employee or the the student. That you are at his disposal. Yeah, I mean... And by promoting this idea of servant leadership, as they defined it, it's simply an inverted approach. Instead of me forcing you, right? Now I'm going to surrender myself to you. Instead of you being a leader, now I'm going to just surrender myself to you or, or to everyone and say, there is no leader. We're all servants. So that's the first danger, I think, out of it. And as you said in the beginning, the second danger is that this is becoming a guiding principle, a moral guiding principle for everything we do. If that's the case in organization, then it must be the case in in morality. And therefore, we apply it in our life, that life is about servitude. And as Simon Sinek said it explicitly, leadership used to be about sacrificing others for the leader. Now it's time that the leader sacrifice himself for others. And that's the false alternative that we're, we're getting, right? Instead of you sacrificing yourself for others, now others will sacrifice uh, themselves for you or, or the opposite. It gets confusing, but, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that? And, and what do you think is the motive? Like, what is the motive behind the dominancy of such idea? I think that deeply there is a a suspicion about one concept, which is worth, earn, talent, however you want to put it. Mm. And this is why it's even difficult for me to talk about a hierarchy in in an organization or, or in teamwork or in leadership in general, because the concept has been trivialized. So anybody is either in favor or against hierarchy, but they have a very primitive conception about it. They're, they're thinking in hierarchy in terms of, you know, who who is the leader of the pack, who is giving the orders to attack the other group, to to rally people together for a cause. But I don't think you can understand nor defend hierarchy if you don't have a proper conception about what the leader does to earn his voice, to earn his power to give orders yeah. and commands. Yeah. And that's something you cannot accomplish by force. That's something you cannot accomplish 
if you don't have the credential, the knowledge, the self-mastery to give direction to the people you're working with. And I want to cut you here yeah. just, just because you said something offline that I think is really important. You gave me an example and it's about one good example of servant leadership, as shocking as it might sound, is actually Adolf Hitler. <laughs> well, right? And you talked about that. He presented himself as a servant leader. And that, that was the best way for him to present himself because, you know, he told the German people that I'm here because I want to sacrifice my life for the nation. So should you. If you want to become the Aryan race or whatever, then you must sacrifice yourself for the nation. And we are all servant here. That's his approach, his approach. And at least he was honest in it, you know. So, so, so that's why I'm, yeah, 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 absolutely. But, but that's why I'm asking about the motive. And I know that some thinkers for a fact are evil thinkers, but that doesn't mean that whoever accepts the ideas is an evil person because maybe we don't have the right conception about the idea. Maybe we just follow trends because I was trying to make a connection here between what's happening in the culture, what's happening in politics, all this political correctness and sensitivity, even what's happening in, in music and, and in companies everywhere, they're coming together and they are results of what's happening in our education system and what kind of ideas are being promoted, specifically moral ideas. So that's the result. And you and you come to accept servant leadership because you're seeing an application of it everywhere in your life. You're seeing an application from influencers. You're seeing application from even scientists. You're seeing applications in the political sphere. So it's everywhere. So you, you feel good about it, right? And it sounds kinder. It sounds kinder than being a power luster and being a master. So a servant sounds more, assertive. yeah, it sounds more, you know, it sounds more kinder, I would say, and, and uh, filled right, with because humility. because when you call yourself a servant, you brand yourself as someone who's working for people's needs. Yes. And that's the whole concern. And, and they say that explicitly. The goal of the servant leadership philosophy is not to improve an organization's productivity is yeah. not to improve the profits of the organization, but is to take the team's needs, the team's concerns as the primary goal, the primary concern to look for. Yeah. And, and if you, if you go to any leadership uh, workshop, especially those branded as servant leadership, you will see that this is the kind of approach they take. It's not about how do I make people improve their talent, raise their standards, the people I, I, that work under my, yeah. my leadership. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about how do I make them feel happy? Yes, how, absolutely. So there is an elevation of, of emotion, of feelings, over reason, over 
value creation. And this is the third point that I want to discuss, because again, as per one of the definition of servant leadership, is that it's a leadership with the heart. Right. It's a leadership with the heart. That's what uh, brand a good leader or a servant leader. And again, we see so many application of it. Now, some of them are really good, but I want to explore the the philosophical idea here. But one of the application is that a good leader must have emotional intelligence, must have empathy and understand his team, not just be blinded with money. And it seems to me that all of these are good ideas. The problem is what you said, is that it's it's a replacement of reason and it's a replacement of profit motive, which we uh, discussed in the last episode. And, yep. and I guess, and I want you to explore that, I guess this is the dichotomy that we are facing between profit and people. So in their minds, Traditional leadership is all about profit. Let's invert it and focus on people. And the question is, why not both? And doesn't life require the harmony of, in the same way of mind and body and theory and practice, and it should, you know, require profit and people, the material and the spiritual? So what what do you say about that? Right, absolutely. I I think... As you said, we're facing a false alternative, a false alternative that a good leader wouldn't recognize. Because yeah. ask yourself, look for a, any good leader, anyone you recognize as a good leader, and ask him what motivates him, what drives him. I would say from at least the leaders that I love, you know, they want to achieve their goals. That's a primary motive. They want right. to achieve and, their goals. <laughs> yeah, and goals that are a personal ambition to them. Yes, absolutely. That are goals for which they are invested. But they know, if they are good leaders at all, that the only way to accomplish that is to bring together that goal they're looking for, they're working towards, and the team that will help him reach that goal. Yeah, so Um, there's no dichotomy. A good leader understands that in order to achieve his goal, he needs to bring people not just to achieve his goal, but because he knows that in the process, they will learn how to achieve their own goals. Right? Absolutely. And I think that's the quality of a good leader. So from one perspective, it's ambition, it's integrity to stand for his ideas, but also it's independence. A good leader is independent and she wants to make everyone around her uh, independent or at least she respects their independence. And just as he takes risk in the way he approaches his project, he lets his team, the members of his team, takes their own risk within that yeah. project. Yeah, And that's, that's how we see innovation. That's how we see... Uh, productive, thriving work environment. It's not an issue of just following rule, as so-called traditional leadership would have it. But it's not also, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to make you feel happy. And don't get me wrong. Motivation is important for the team. And that's something that a good leader should 
care about and work with. But he can do it with the heart. Yeah. <laughs> For that, he needs to pick his team's brains, their talents, and help them flourish with that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a good way to see that concretely is to think about a medical team. And we always go back to this point that it gets very vague when it comes to business and the more abstract the business is, the more vague. But if you go and, and see a, medic, a medical team, how they work, well, they have mm -hmm. to have almost the perfect harmony between being objective and reality-oriented, but also in understanding their patients' concerns and emotions. And we need the harmony between the two, and it, it would depend on the situation how to judge each, each case. And that's what makes a good leader is the the more harmonious their approach, the more they become better leaders, first of themselves. And then if they want to become organization leaders, then that's a different story. And it requires so many practice and, and toolkit. But what I want to ask you lastly is why do you think people, or at least the majority of people, are attracted to the idea of servant leadership. Why? Like what what's the appeal? And what do you think is what do you think is the fundamental issue making people accept these ideas? Again, there is a open concern about need above talent and ability. And I mm. think that's That's the root. That's the premise shaping this whole debate. First, that there is not such a thing as a good leader, that it somehow assumed that in organizations or in, in any team, there is someone giving orders. But how did yeah. he come here? What did he do to reach that place? That's irrelevant to how yeah. he will conduct his work. But again, there is the issue of We're placing need above any other concern, especially if it's a self-interested concern. Absolutely. Or and personal ambition that might give direction to, to their work together. And actually, I wanted to, to talk about that because you hinted about it previously. And I want to read something or I want to just explain something from an article from the Harvard Business Review called mm -hmm. Ego is the Enemy of Good Leadership. I won't go, I won't go through it, but I just want to give one of the examples of what kind of advices are given to become a servant leader. And I want to ask you, our listeners, to consider that when you're reading it. So one of the advice is, since you are a leader... It means you are privileged. How privileged? They don't say. But you are privileged. You are in a better role. You're getting paid more uh, money. And as a result, you'll be offered uh, more perks. Like, for example, a parking spot. And a servant leader would actually sacrifice his parking spot to his employee. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the standard. If you want to be a good servant leader, 
One of the things is, one, to treat your achievement as a privilege that probably you haven't earned. Two, is to sacrifice anything that will make you comfortable, whether it's a parking spot or another example given in the article that these are not my examples, is a special pass for the elevator for your employee. Now, I know these small things can affect, you know, the mood of the day. But are we really that low? Have we reached that that level that leadership is all about that and we're ignoring what goes inside the mind of a, of a good leader and what goes inside the process and the method by which a good leader trains his, his uh, or her employees? And, and by the way, the whole article is simply an attack on the ego. The more... You elevate in your role, the more inflated your ego will become. And therefore, that's a sin. And it's a, uh, it's a sign that you're, you know, you're perverted. So you better job that ego. Right. It's, it's right there in the idea that the egos in every one of its expressions, like personal ambition, investment of your time, investment of your mind, the seeking of profit, Mm. makes any work, any any goal, morally compromised. Yeah. So in order to challenge uh, this view about servant leadership or any other view about leadership, this, this is the premise we should question. Whether yourself, your, your own goals and ambitions are an impediment to the harmony of the workplace, the su success of the goals you're trying to accomplish, or they are the mark of it. Yeah, and you know, Ricardo, it gives me it gives me a rush, but I'm really tired of all these self-proclaimed uh, gurus and mystic who keep on attacking the ego, right? Because every time they're attacking the ego, They're attacking ourselves, like that thing that makes us who we are. And we're healing all these attacks and we accept it, accept the notion yeah. without scrutiny. And we don't investigate it. What the hell is, is the ego, right? And we forget that the ego and put, put all this psychological analysis aside because that will take us elsewhere. But really from a very primary perspective our ego is our self and you know that's the definition of the world and if you don't have an ego it means you don't have a self which means you can't think you can't feel you can't judge you can't take actions or choices it means you're a robot <laughs> and Hi. so and not a leader <laughs> <laughs> and not a leader so this whole approach that you know, ego is the enemy, ego is your sin, and you shouldn't be interested in yourself, is simply either a disguise from those who know better or a complete ignorance. And I think the first place we should start if we want to achieve anything in our life is to investigate why people are telling us that that thing that makes us who we are is evil. And what would be the difference between someone who has an ego, a healthy ego properly, and someone who has a fake ego? 
And why do we need to have a fake ego? And I think we should have a session just about that, you know, an episode just to talk about this 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 need to fake ourselves. Uh, so if you guys are interested in this topic, please let us know. I know we had, you know, different requests to explore this topic, why we seem to accept the idea of the ego, but we'd love to hear more of you to take it further. All right. What's the verdict, Ricardo? Let's go outside of business, organizations, and that context. Let's go to another kind of leadership, like the leadership you see in sports. Mm. And ask yourself, who is a real captain of a team? Mm. Is it the person who gives the best orders? Or is it the person who has the strongest character and who commands the team to do what he does regardless of how they feel? Of course not. But is it the person who is primarily concerned with the needs of his team, whatever they're feeling at the moment, that they are motivated? Not fully. The captain is the person who first has something at stake in the game mm. who has something that. to gain or lose and so who the, can the primary rally. concern for the captain is the game or actually winning the game right and that's the common project he shares with his team and that's his personal ambition so there are these three aspects the game the common goal the team that works with him to accomplish that and what he will gain or lose by performing a good leadership role. You cannot accomplish one without the other. And to add to that, that's what makes a captain a great integrator. Because he's able to integrate the advices he got from the coach with the game scenarios, with the vision of how to win and what is the strategy with the character of each uh, team player in order to come up with a solution and to guide his team to winning. So a good leader is not a master, nor a slave. He's an independent thinker and an integrator of his goals and his team. Do you agree with that? Beautifully put. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> All right, so let's draw a line here. This is an amazing topic. So please, if you have any feedback, any idea, any suggestion, any article on that topic that you would like us to explore and to decompose maybe or take further, please let us know. So we would love to do that because we are really interested in this topic and probably, Ricardo, we should plan to do a different episode on that topic, at least to tackle it from different perspectives. Okay, thank you for listening to Ideas on Trial. Please, if you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and to share it with other people. See you next week. <laughs>